they've come up with a number and they've said that the number of stars is a billion trillion. I mean, we cannot even conceive that number. A billion trillion stars out there, a billion trillion is a one and 21 zeros behind it. That's how many stars. And God has given them names for them. And then he goes on. And we see in verse 5 and 6, Great is our Lord, abundant in power, for his understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble and he casts the wicked to the ground. There is a star that's out there at Centaurus, it's called, that is so large that if you take the orbit of Saturn, okay, here's the sun, there's Saturn, the orbit of Saturn, that's how large it is. That's how large it is. And it's out there. It is so incredibly large. And Andrew Murray says this, the great Dutch Reformed preacher that says, the power of prayer depends almost entirely upon our apprehension, our understanding, our comprehension of who it is with whom we speak. When you pray, do you believe that God is a God who is able and is able to change things? We live. One of the things that we deal with every single day is change. I mean, we stayed over with Johan and Lizette in Asafontaine. And I mean, <laughs> this is a cute story. I, I, the, the kids, I mean, in three and a half months, they've grown. I mean, I looked at them, I said, you've grown. <laughs> so I said to them, what are you eating? So Lewin says, we shop at the spa down the road. <laughs> but everything changes. Heraclitus, the, the, the Greek philosopher said, even stepping into the river in the same place, it's not the same river because the water has passed. It's a different river. It moves the river all the time. There's sand and, and stone that's moving around. But the thing that doesn't change is our God. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22 and 23 says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6 and God is speaking about himself here. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. Once again, our God is our able God. He's an unchanging God. You know, what good is it to believe in a flimsy, small God when you're going through the midst of a terrible storm? You know, one of the things that we need to come to understand is we either believe in a God or we believe in a living God. What do you believe in? You see, if we believe in a God, you know, who used to speak to us, who does speak to us from the past, but I believe in a God who is a living God, who is active and alive today. You know, in the last analysis, it doesn't matter uh, what we say about God, but it does matter what God says to us. Not what we do for God, but what God does for us. And I think if you believe only in a God of, of history, then we need to stop playing church and we need to get with it 
and go home. <laughs> or else we believe in a living God who is alive, who is active. He is not a weak, he is not an incompetent God, but he is alive and purposeful. All the forces, visible and invisible, are subject to this God of ours. The next verse is Jude 24 and 25. There's only one chapter in Jude, so love this. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Christ, Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. I remember when my daughter was just, just started to walk, she's probably two years old, and uh, we were walking over a field. It was bumpy and there were moles, hills all over the place. And I just stuck out my finger and she was holding on. And she stumbled. She let go of my finger and she uh, fell on the floor and she dusted her hands off and then I put my finger out again and we walked on a little bit more and uh, she fell again. And, and, I, and I said, Kez, let me, let me hold your hand. And we walked on a little bit further. She stumbled, but she didn't fall. Hmm? She didn't fall because I was holding. Dad was holding onto her hand. She wasn't trying to cling onto mine. Now to him who is able to keep us, to keep us from falling. You see, it all depends on whose hand it's in. It all depends on whose hand it's in. A violin in my hands is just a squeaky instrument. But a violin in the hands of Elma, Mishka Elmer's is a wonderful instrument that a genius is playing. It all depends on whose hand it's in. A basketball in my hand is worth 300 rand. A basketball in Shaquille O'Neal's hand is worth 30 million rand. It all depends on whose hand it's in. A tennis racket in my hand is just a dangerous weapon. A tennis racket in Novel Djokovic's hand will make a Wimbledon champion. It all depends on whose hand it's in. A rugby ball in my hand will probably end up with broken vases in my house. But a rugby ball in the hand of the winning World Cup champion next year will cause a multi-million contract to unfold. It all depends on whose hand it's in. A slingshot in my hand is just a toy. But a slingshot in the hands of David will bring down giants and kill lions and bears. A little bit of spit and clay in my hand will make a mud pie. But a little bit of spit and clay in the hands of Jesus will open blind eyes and bring deliverance. It all depends on whose hand it's in. Two fish and five loaves in my hand will make a couple of fish samis. But two fish and five loaves in the hands of Jesus will feed thousands. It all depends on whose hand it's in. A little bit of material in my hand is me grabbing the bottom of my shirt. But a little bit of material in the hands of a woman with the issue of blood will bring healing and wholeness to her life. A few nails in my hand 
will help make a treehouse. But a few nails in the blood-pierced hands of Jesus will bring salvation to the whole world. It all depends on whose hand it's in. And when you have the ability just to say, God, take a hold of my hand, because he will keep you from falling, because he's an able God. He will take you, and he will take you to the ends of the earth. He will take you and use you in the most incredible ways. He will set captives free in your life, and you will see the power of God unfold. God has gone to great lengths, great lengths, to make you his child. And he's not about to let you go. John chapter 10 and verse 38 says, No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand, out of my hand. We need to let God take a hold of our hand. There's a lovely story of a family that woke up with the detectors, smoke detectors going, and they realized that there was a fire in the home, and they rushed out. The dad went into some of the rooms and got the kids. The mom went into the rooms and got some of the kids, and they were going down, and the youngest realized that this was... But overwhelming, pulled out of dad's hand and went into the corner of his own room where his toys were. It was a place of comfort. And they got outside and they said to him, come, jump down. And the smoke was billowing out the window and he looked down and he said, dad, I can't see you. And dad shouted back, that's all right, I can see you. Sometimes we can't see what's going on in life. But the Lord looks up at us and he says, I can see you. I can see you. Rely on God's ability. Trust Him. He can keep you from falling. I want you to know God is for you. Not maybe. Not has been. Not was. Not would be. God is for you. His loyalty won't increase if you're better or worse. God is for you. He's on the sidelines, cheering for you. He's at the finishing line, applauding you. He's in the stands, shouting your name. If you're tired, he'll carry you. If you're discouraged, he will pick you up. If God had a wallet, your photo would be in it. If God had a refrigerator, your photo would be on the door. If God had a calendar, your birthday would be circled. If God drove a car, your name would be on the bumper sticker. If God had a tree... You would have carved your name on it. God loves you. Isaiah 49 and verse 16 says, See, I have tattooed your name upon my heart, upon my palm. I have written, I have engraved your name upon my palm. That's what God does. He takes our name and he writes it on the palm. He's got a big palm because he's got lots of children. But your name is there. And then Ephesians chapter 3 and 20. This is my favorite verse in the scriptures. One translator says, there are double compound words there. But I think that they're more than that. So, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine according to the power that is at work within us. You, you know, the old revised standard version is our God is able to do immeasurably more, abundantly more than we can even imagine. So, 
what does a double compound word mean? A double compound word means incredibly incredible, extravagantly extravagant, awesomely awesome, fantastically fantastical, amazingly amazing, or big humongo hugerific, or all magni great big bully. That's, that's what he's saying. It's just, you know, our God is able to do immeasurably more, abundantly more. It is, it, it's, it's a big, big, big situation that God is talking about. See, God only, doesn't only forgive one sin, but he forgives all your sins. He doesn't only give you hope of heaven, but he gives you a place. He's created a place for you to dwell in a mansion for all eternity. He doesn't only give us daily bread, but he gives us steak, potatoes, and dessert as well. His ability is huge. It's incredible. It's outrageous. It's extravagant. It exceeds expectation. The Lord didn't only give us one drop of water. He gave us oceans. He didn't give us one star. He gave us a billion, trillion. He didn't give us one kind of bird. He gave us 8,500 species of bird. He didn't give us one hill, but he gave us the Rockies, the Andes, the Alps, the Himalayas, the Drakensberg, and the Hottentot Hollands. <laughs> He's an extravagant God. Immeasurably, abundantly, beyond all that we can ask or imagine. That's the kind of God that he is. And those promises that are in the scriptures apply to us as well. One old lady, when she passed away, opened up her Bible, and along with uh, all the writing, she, uh, there were lots of T's and P's. And they asked a family member, what are these T's and P's? So those are the promises of God that we have in the Word. And she wrote their tribe. And the P means proved. All his promises are tried. And proved. God can do the impossible in your life. He can deliver. He can heal your marriage. He can change your situation. According to the power that works within us, says the second half of that verse. Our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works. What's going on in your life? Who do you believe? What do you believe about God? is the most important thing about him. Remember? Are you asking big things of him? Love that story of Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, sitting on the road to Jericho. And he hears Jesus is coming past. Can't see a thing. He can hear. And as Jesus gets closer, the hum of the crowd gets bigger. He cries out, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. And some of his friends say, hey, shush. And he's not put off with that. And he cries out even louder, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops and calls him. Now here comes a blind beggar. Throws off his cloak. That's his security. Because that's the thing, he's a beggar. That's the thing that keeps him warm at night. And he comes to Jesus and he stands before Jesus. Jesus asks him a question. Really? What do you want from me? He 
he's, he's a blind beggar. Probably has help, had help to Jesus. What do you want? And Bartimaeus says, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus heals him. But he first asked, what do you want from me? He was so passionate in his desire for Jesus to heal his eyes. Mark eleven twenty four says, Whatsoever things you deserve when you pray, believe that you have received them, and you shall have them. So when you ask the Lord, or when you say to the Lord, God, use me. Be careful what you pray. Because he's going to do that. He's going to use you. God wants to do something big in your life. And the size of the vision that you have, if it is not intimidating to you, it's probably insulting to God. Hello? What you ask of God is direct proportion of your ability to ask, your desire to ask. See, there was probably a time in your life where you said, God, I want to be used. I want to do great things for you. And you've settled for less. He's brought you here today to remind you of his ability. Jesus lives in you. He's the author and the perfecter of your faith. If God is for us, who can be against us? There is no power, there is no principality, no name in this world that can come against us when we're serving the Lord. He is far above every principality. He is far above every power and might and dominion. He's a God who is able. And I want to say, let's have a bigger understanding of our God. Let's have a bigger understanding. Take back those relationships that the devil has stolen. Let's take back our health and our finances that he has duped us out of. Let's take, get rid of that anger, that strife, that bitterness that exists within the church, that offense. And let's plan to really honor God by believing that he is a God who is able. The three things that I want to go into now. First one is, I want you to know that you're valuable to God. You're valuable to God. If we knew how valuable we were to the Lord, I think it would change our understanding of our Christian faith. You are incredibly valuable to Him. And when Jesus came, He embodied everything that God wanted to communicate to us. Went to great lengths to have a relationship with us. If you think back on the mistakes that you've made, your failures, your, 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 your real blunders, despite all of these, God is for you. You're valuable to Him. Uh, but Lord, I've lied. But maybe you've lied like Abraham lied. God still called him a friend. Maybe you've cheated people like Zacchaeus. But like Jesus said, I want to befriend you. I want to come to your house. And he did that in front of his enemies. Maybe you've squandered your money and you've blown it all and left home like the prodigal. 
but God waits with open arms to welcome you home and to embrace you. Maybe you've been like that Samaritan woman who was despised. And Jesus wants to come, sit down and talk with you. Maybe you've been like that woman caught in adultery. And he's prepared to forgive you in front of, his, of her accusers. Maybe you've denied him like Peter, but he wants to give you a second chance. Maybe you feel lost. Know this, the Lord will leave the 99 and come and look for that one. We have an amazing God. An amazing, amazing God. And it's the, it's, it's the, the, the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. You are valuable to the Lord. The second thing, I want you to trust in His promises. Trust in His promises. There was a man who was a pioneer during the early days. It was the middle of winter and he came to the mighty Mississippi River. And he wanted to cross it because he was moving west. And he looked at that river. He was all by himself. It was freezing cold. The river was iced over, but he didn't know how thick that ice was. So he thought, I have to cross. I have to move west. So he, he took his sack off and he pushed his sack onto the ice and he tried to disperse his weight because if you fall through that ice, you're probably a dead man because the hypothermia will kick in after a minute or two. Trying to get out of uh, an iced river is what, one of the most difficult things around. So he thought, let me just disperse my, my weight. And he got on all fours and he was going across, pushing his, his belongings ahead of him, trying to disperse that weight. And he heard a noise behind him and he swung around. And here was a stagecoach with six horses, a stagecoach full of logs coming across the river. And did he look like an idiot on all fours? It was able to support. It was able to contain. And God's promises... God's word is able to contain. He's able to support. What he said in the past can be supported by you. God never uh, made a promise, says D.L. Moody. God never made a promise that was too good to be true. Never made a promise. So trust in his promises, no matter what. Psalm 84 and verse 11, the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And then the last thing. Ask a little more of the Lord. Ask a little more. Because he's a God who is able. Ask big things of him. He's a supernatural God. What have you been expecting from him recently? See, I think we've robbed God of his supernatural being. You know, we've made him finite. And we've made him real, the real world. But he's an infinite, powerful God, supernatural God. Mother Teresa of Avila said this You pay God a compliment by asking great things of him. You ask God a compliment. What, what are you asking God for in your life? You remember Reinhold Bonker, that evangelist, American-German evangelist, who died in December 2019, just before COVID. And he has been attributed to the conversion of 77 million people, mostly on the continent of Africa. And one of the, just 
one little line captivated me. And he said this, there is no maximum with God. There's no maximum. We can never reach the maximum of God. There's no maximum. 77 million people. Ask God for big things. And you'll see. Don't pray for easier lives. Pray to be stronger people. Don't pray for challenges equal to your ability. Turn that around and pray for abilities equal to the challenges out there. You see, throughout the New Testament, the New Testament believers had this one watchword. Our God is able. It's not we are able, but He is able. He is able to guard what we have entrusted to Him. He's able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. When God has your heart, man, incredible things are at your disposal. What He can do with your life, with your talents, with your heart, with your hands, with your family, with your friends, with your future, with your problems, with your weaknesses, with your disappointments. You know, stop telling God that you've got big problems and start telling your problems that you've got a big God. Our God is able. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Our thinking is limited. Sometimes my thinking is terrible. My asking is lacking. But I'm glad that God knows that. I don't know it all. And I don't know it all most of the time. But God is God. And I'm not. I think I'm grateful for that. And He's okay with that too. But trust in His goodness. Do you feel a little bit inadequate? That's a good place to be is to be a little inadequate. Now God can use you. Now you can step out. You can step out of your insecurities, your failures, your misapprehensions, and trust in His Word. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 says, declares that we become actual participants of His divine nature. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29, it proclaims us as inheritors of His divine promises. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. Paul, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Promises are yes in Christ. So through Him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The promises of God are yes in Christ to you. What a incredible verse. What does that mean? It means that when we say, oh, I've had enough. I've had enough, Lord. He says, I'm sufficient. When we say, I can't make it anymore, Lord. He says, I can. When we say, I'm full of doubt. He says, I'm faithful. When we say, I'm so dysfunctional, he says, but I am complete. When we say, Lord, I'm so sinful, he says back to us, I'm gracious and forgiving. When we say, Lord, I'm at the end of my rope, he 
because I've got another one, and it's as long as eternity. You're okay. You feeling inadequate? Don't find that as a hindrance. Because that's the time that God is going to use you. That's a prerequisite. Because when you see God working through your life, you'll know that it's God. Realizing God's ability, relying on God's power, is probably for the most unpromising of us as His children, is probably the way in which we become potential world changers. William Wilberforce, he changed the course of history. He stopped the transatlantic slave trade. A great man. But if you looked at him, he was a man that was physically not impressive at all. Small, elfish-looking man. He had spinal uh, scolosis. I think that's the, that's the word. Scoliosis, whatever. A, a, a twisting of, of, of the spine. He was bent over, but he relied on the ability of God. He stepped out on the runway. God was able to use him, and he stopped slave trade in its tracks. But God used him after many, many years of trying. He changed history because he believed in the ability of God. Don't ever, don't ever stop realizing God's ability in your life. Stop focusing on your human. Stop focusing on your limitations. Rely on His power and His faithfulness. He is in you. Christ in you is the, your righteous standing before God. Christ in you is the power to a new life. Christ in you is the sufficiency of all things. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Your availability, your availability is much more than any ability that you have. Allow God to 